Greetings to you in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. This is the Sunday School Podcast for May 1st, 2022, or the third Sunday in Easter. And we're going to look at a text from John chapter 10, verses 11 through 16, about Jesus as the Good Shepherd. We'll hear about uh, Jesus as a Good Shepherd again next Sunday, because uh, the fourth Sunday in Easter every year is Good Shepherd Sunday. In fact, our, uh, our congregation is named after this Sunday, I understand, because apparently uh, the first constituting service for this congregation was held on the fourth Sunday in Easter, at least if I've got the story right. Um, so next week is Good Shepherd Sunday. To get a head start on that, we're looking at John chapter 10. Verses 11 through 16, this week. So without further ado, Jesus begins this text by saying, in verse 10, I'm sorry, verse 11, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. First off, I am the good shepherd, says Jesus, and that I am there should get a bell ringing because this is the Gospel of John. And several times, especially in the Gospel of John, when Jesus says, I am, he goes out of his way to say, I am Yahweh. I am the great I am who appeared to Moses at the burning bush, who led my people out of Egypt. I am Yahweh in the flesh. And it doesn't really show up in, in English. The, uh, the trick here is that in Greek, you can say I am without the word I. In other words, it's perfectly fine in Greek just to say, like, I'm going to church today. That's perfectly acceptable with the language. So to add on the I, I am, the way it's used in John is to make a special point. And when Jesus uses I am rather than just am, he's making the point in John that he is, in fact, Yahweh in the flesh. So Jesus begins, I am Yahweh, the good shepherd. And we're going to find out that there are other shepherds besides good ones. In fact, Jesus is going to speak about the hired hand in a couple of verses, but this text doesn't appear in a vacuum. Jesus speaks as the one who gave us his word in the Old Testament before his incarnation as well. And so we want to point out here that um, Israel has a history of bad shepherds. So when Jesus says, I am the good shepherd, there are plenty of bad shepherds to think about. So for instance, there's Ezekiel 34, where the word of the Lord comes to Ezekiel and tells him to prophesy against the shepherds, the leaders of Israel. And the Lord denounces them as terrible shepherds because they take advantage of the people. They eat the fat, they clothe themselves, they, they, uh, they, they slaughter uh, whatever they want to for their, for their own well-being. But they don't help the weak, they don't help the sick, they don't help the injured, they don't bring back the strays, they don't seek out the lost. In other words, as shepherds, they're only looking after themselves. And so, says the Lord, the sheep are scattered because they don't really have a shepherd because their shepherds are that bad. And so, in Ezekiel 34, the Lord declares that because his sheep suffer, 
And because his shepherds are bad shepherds, he will come and he will be the shepherd who rescues his sheep from the mouths of beasts, who rescues his sheep from the mouths of the shepherds who want to eat them. The Lord declares he's against the bad shepherds and that he himself will search for his sheep and seek them out. And so we have this happening in John chapter 10, as the Lord declared in Ezekiel 34 that he would be the shepherd who who seeks out his sheep, his people. Now we have Jesus in John chapter 10 saying, I am Yahweh and I am the good shepherd. And if you remember, this is not an isolated incident in um, in Matthew chapter 9, verse 36, when Jesus looks upon the crowd that's following them, he has compassion on them because they are like sheep without a shepherd. Another allusion back to Ezekiel 34. We also have uh, a passage from Zechariah 11, starting in verse 4. And this is kind of an odd passage. We spoke about this a few weeks back. Um, maybe just a couple weeks back, but but God commands the prophet Zechariah to become a shepherd as a sign to, to his people, and Zechariah becomes a shepherd, and it goes, goes very badly. Um, Zechariah becomes a shepherd, and, and, and the sheep hate him, and his fellow shepherds don't like him either. And so um, he, uh, he leaves he leaves the flock to be destroyed. He gets rid of the shepherds, and then he turns in as his resignation and says, "Pay me what uh, what you feel you owe me." And uh, and they weigh out for his wages thirty pieces of silver. Well, the thirty pieces of silver. We know that this is a, a prophecy uh, looking forward to the passion of Jesus. That Jesus is the shepherd who is uh, who is opposed by by his fellow shepherds, by the leaders of Judea, by the leaders of the Jews. Um, he is not well liked by the sheep either. The mob is shouting, crucify him at his trial. And uh, when his shepherd shepherding comes to an end and he gets uh, close to the cross, his life is judged to be worth 30 pieces of silver, not paid to him, but paid to Judas instead. So, uh, Zechariah, back in uh, Zechariah 11, is the good shepherd among bad shepherds and bad sheep. And now in John chapter 10, Jesus is the good shepherd as opposed to all those bad shepherds of the Old Testament. Now, how good is Jesus as the good shepherd? I mean, what's, what's the standard to be a shepherd who's good at shepherding? You might think of of Psalm 23 and and how the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads my paths in righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me. In the presence of my enemies, you anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. So a shepherd feeds the sheep, leads the sheep, takes the sheep to calm water, provides uh, care for the sheep when they are injured. A good shepherd actively takes care of the sheep by staying alive to do so. But here, Jesus ups the ante in a way that should get 
his hearer's attention because he doesn't say, I am the good shepherd who lives to care for my sheep. He says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. And I've heard various debates about this in commentaries. Were shepherds expected to die rather than uh, let a lion eat the flock or not? Personally, I think it's crazy for any shepherd to say, I'll die to keep the wolf from having some mutton for dinner because I'd rather live and come back another day. The fact that Jesus lays down his, his life for the sheep is astonishing by itself. When you consider that the sheep he lays down his life for are rebellious sinners who constantly wander, who constantly sin against him, who constantly want to reject his ways, it's all the more astonishing. Because if it's astonishing to us then that a shepherd would die to save sheep, to save animals, how much more astonishing is it, or should it be to us, that God would become flesh and give up his life to redeem rebellious sinners? Because on the continuum of, 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 of life or lives, the distance between sheep and a human being is far, far smaller than the distance between a human being and almighty, holy God. God's not even on the same continuum as the one who dwells in eternity. So anyways, um, as Jesus says, I am the good shepherd, the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. That's an astonishing statement. I am Yahweh. I am the good shepherd. I take care of bad sheep. And I, Yahweh, will lay down my life to save rebellious sheep. Now, rather than speak of bad shepherds in this text, Jesus goes on to to talk about the hired hand. He says in verse 12, He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd, who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming, leaves the sheep and flees, and the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. All right, so we gotta we gotta decode this a little bit. The sheep, of course, are are his people. Um, I mentioned again Matthew nine thirty six, where Jesus regards the people as sheep without a shepherd. The wolves are false prophets. He he warns uh, wolves. He, I'm sorry. He warns that false prophets are wolves in Matthew chapter seven verse fifteen. And then the hired hand is kind of the, uh, the shepherd who's, who's getting paid to take care of the sheep, but, but he's in it for the money. He's in it for the hire. He's, he's in it for himself. So if taking care of the sheep takes care of him, he's, he's all for taking care of sheep. But if taking care of sheep inconveniences him or causes risk to his life, then the hired hand's going to go away because he's in it for the money. He's in it for himself. And so in this case, the hired hand is the preacher who is into being the pastor for himself rather than care for Christ's people, even when it inconveniences him or even brings risk to himself. He's the one who says, I'll do this as long as you pay me, but I'm really in this for me, not for your good. 
plenty of those around in Jesus' time. The Pharisees and the Sadducees certainly qualify as they essentially demand that people do things their way and live up to their expectations that they have the hope of salvation. And in the meantime, Jesus comes around and say, I'll serve you as long as it doesn't inconvenience me. Jesus goes to the cross and he dies for the sins of the world. He doesn't just care for the sheep. He, uh, he's the one who has compassion for them, this, this, this gut-deep desire to save them. All right, so in verse 14, Jesus continues, I am the good shepherd. I know my own, and my own know me, just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. So I know my own, says Jesus. And there's different kinds of, of, of knowing in Scripture. There's anything from just, you know, recognizing a face. I know that face from somewhere to, to intimate knowledge of knowing someone like you know yourself. And, and that's very clear in, in the Hebrew, not so much in the Greek language. But I think the idea here is that Jesus knows his own he knows us. He knows our deepest thoughts. We're concealing nothing from him. And yet he, uh, he willingly consents and wills to be our shepherd to save us from our sins, even the ones that we're still entertaining in those, in those deep thoughts. Uh, he, he knows us better than we know ourselves, and he, he, still, he still shepherds us unto death anyway. In fact, it's really, it's really quite remarkable that Jesus defines this knowledge in verse 14 by saying in verse 15, just as the Father knows me and I know the Father, the implication being so he knows his sheep. And in John chapter 10, verse 30, the same chapter, Jesus says, I and the Father are one. So Jesus doesn't just have a casual idea that there's a flock he's taking care of. He knows his sheep. He knows us very well. And he, uh, he has shed his blood to redeem us, to deliver us personally to heaven. And he echoes once again, although he knows the sheep so well, he lays down his life for the sheep. That's how verse 15 ends. One more verse and in this short text, Jesus goes on to say, I, might, uh, I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them also, and they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock, one shepherd. So the sheep, the flock of the Old Testament, really is almost entirely Israel, God's holy people brought out of Egypt into the promised land. But Jesus didn't just come to be the Savior of the Jews. He came to save the Gentiles as well. And so he says he has, he has other flocks to bring into the fold, other sheep to bring into this fold. And he says he will bring them into his fold because they will listen to his voice. Now, if Jesus is gathering by his voice, he is gathering with his word. And so even today, as the Lord continues to uh, permit this world to turn, that more might hear and be saved, 
the voice of Jesus is still heard. The voice of the Good Shepherd is still heard as, as pastors proclaim his word from the pulpit, as individuals share God's word over a cup of coffee with friends, as, as, as missionaries go into new places and speak of Jesus. The Lord is still at work to, uh, to gather other sheep into his fold, into his church. So sheep are added by the word of God, whether it is heard or added to water for holy baptism. It's the voice of Jesus that, that brings more in. And it's not as if Jesus then has two churches, one for Jews and one for Gentiles. He ends up by saying, there will be one flock, one shepherd. So both Jews and Gentiles are part of the same church, and that church has one shepherd. And if we have one shepherd, then we have a common confession of faith because we're all gathered by the voice, by the word of the same shepherd. It's far too popular today to hear people say, as long as I believe in Jesus, we can disagree on everything else and still be the church. Because while uh, the Lord does forgive us for our, our false beliefs, as long as we trust that he's died for our sins, he still wants us to be united in doctrine and in confession of faith. And while many churches have, have given up on the idea that we can reach a consensus on what the Bible says, we, uh, we still hold out to the truth that by examining the scriptures and letting the scriptures be the scriptures and speak for themselves, all Christians on earth can still agree on what the Bible says. All Christians on earth can have a common confession of faith. Will it be easy to get there? Ha! Huh. Not at all. Is it still worth trying? Yes, because that's what Jesus, our good shepherd, would have us do. All right, that's our text. So let's talk a little bit more about shepherds before we wrap this up. First off, shepherds in the Old Testament. There are a bunch of famous shepherds there. We have Abel, the little brother of Cain. Uh, Cain is a tiller of the ground. Abel is a keeper of sheep. And of course, when they offer sacrifices, the Lord accepts Abel's and rejects Cain's. And so Cain murders his brother in the field. And so the first one to die because of sin is the shepherd who is pleasing to God. And that, of course, points to Jesus, our good shepherd, who lays down his life for Cain and for all of his rebellious sheep, that, that all who believe in him might be saved and have eternal life. Um, in fact, we have that great Lent hymn, Glory Be to Jesus, which has the verse, Abel's blood for vengeance pleaded to the skies, but the blood of Jesus for our pardon cries. Jacob is a shepherd of renown. He is shepherding the whole time. He's working first to, uh, to marry Leah accidentally, and then Rachel, the woman he truly loves. Uh, throughout that time, he's taking care of his father-in-law's flocks and, and causing them to increase and his own flocks to increase substantially over time. And as, as, uh, as the flocks increase under Jacob the shepherd's care, so the Lord says he will be the father of a great nation. And of course, Jacob is the, uh, he is renamed Israel, and he is the father of the Israelites, the 12 tribes of Israel. 
Moses is a shepherd for a third of his life. He is a shepherd in Midian after fleeing Egypt. And then after shepherding sheep in the desert, God sends him to to shepherd and tend the flock of his people from Egypt through the wilderness to the promised land. Um, so, So Moses is to be the good shepherd who who leads the grumbling Israelites and makes sure they have um, bread to eat and water to drink throughout those years in, in the wilderness. And so he too points to Christ. And David, of course, is a well-known shepherd. He is a, a shepherd boy who's, who's killing lions and, and, and other predators with his slingshot before he's anointed to be king and shepherd of all of God's people, Israel. So we have some big names in the Old Testament who uh, who were shepherds by calling and who pointed to Jesus in their in their person and in their work. We also have in the Old Testament those bad examples of shepherds like Ezekiel 34 and Zechariah 11 that I, I mentioned before. In the New Testament, we don't have that many shepherds. They, the, they kind of fade from, from the subject matter. We do have shepherds in Luke chapter 2 who are keeping their flocks by night. And it's recently been a thing for the past five or eight years or so to, to, to say that um, these shepherds are actually taking care of sheep that are set aside for sacrifice at the temple. So these are holy flocks, and these shepherds perhaps are even priest shepherds who will take these lambs to the temple for sacrifice. Um, that has kind of gone through evangelical churches like a, like a brush fire, and um, there really is no evidence to say that is true. So, as far as we know... The shepherds outside of Bethlehem, they're just plain old shepherds. And the lesson there is that God announces the good news of salvation to the lowliest of people, these shepherds on on the night shift, for Christ the Savior is born for them too. After that, in the Gospels, uh, Jesus declares that on the last day he will judge the people and separate them as a shepherd separates the sheep and the goats. Twice in Matthew 26 and in Mark 14, Jesus um, quotes the, uh, the Old Testament and warns the apostles that when they strike the shepherd, the sheep will scatter. So when he is arrested, his disciples will run away. He sees the people as sheep without a shepherd. So throughout the Gospels, except for Luke 2, the shepherd that we find in the Gospels is, is Jesus himself. Hebrews 13.20 tells us that Jesus is the great shepherd of the sheep. And 1 Peter 2 tells us that Jesus is the shepherd and overseer of our souls. So again, so far, except for Luke chapter 2, the only shepherd we find in the New Testament is Jesus, with one exception. In Ephesians chapter 4, when God gives various people to lead his church, various men. He he names pastors and teachers in Ephesians 4 verse 11. Now, the word there for pastor is actually the word for shepherd. In fact, pastor is Latin for shepherd. And so, pastors are the shepherds of God's people. 
under shepherds to be sure, or as some say, we're, we're the sheepdogs who obey the voice of, of the good shepherd, Jesus. But um, a pastor is to be a shepherd who tends the flock of God, who gives them God's gifts and keeps them safe from the devil who prowls around like a lion seeking someone to devour. So, so a pastor is to be a shepherd, a good shepherd who speaks the words of Jesus, the good shepherd, so that people still hear his voice today. All right, so that's a quick look at this short text from John chapter 10, verses 11 through 16. Jesus is not a hired hand. In fact, he, uh, he gives gifts to the sheep rather than collecting pay for looking after them. He's not a bad shepherd who hurts the sheep or neglects the sheep for his own good but rather he lays down his life for the sheep. And by his word, by his voice, he has brought you into his flock that you might be the people of his pasture and the sheep of his hand forevermore. So rejoice, you have a good shepherd. And the good shepherd grants you every good gift as you meditate upon this text and, and bless you if you are teaching this text to others. And uh, until we speak again, the Lord order your days and your deeds in his peace. Amen.